In a world where every conversation is about what movie or TV show you've just seen, this is Never Seen It. Comedians rewriting famous movies and TV shows they've never seen. Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy holidays. Happy day after Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. I hope everyone's having a wonderful day. Uh, in, in lieu of the holidays and everything, we got a little uh, surprise. It's fun. We, we compiled some of my favorite parts from previous episodes, favorite scripts, favorite games, all that. Put together a little mashup thing here for everybody. I guess like a clip show. I don't know if it counts as a clip show if it's a podcast, but uh, we just we we didn't have anything new to put out, but I want to put something out for you guys. And we're back into regular new episodes starting next week. But this is a compilation episode of some of our favorite scripts, some of our favorite games, favorite parts, things I love, people things send me that they loved, and I remember people talk about a lot. Hope you enjoy all these. Hope you have good holidays. Hope you have a happy new year. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new episode. And if you're in New York on February 16th, it's a Sunday, February 16th, we're doing a live podcast, live, never seen it, New York, Brooklyn, at Union Hall. Tickets are at unionhallny.com or my website, kyleairs.com. Uh, you can find them there, unionhallny.com. Get tickets, Sunday, February 16th. It's going to be so fun. We got Gene Gray and Shane Torres so far. And surprise guests, I can't even tell you about yet. I'm super, super excited. But it's Sunday, February 16th. We have a live show in Brooklyn at Union Hall. Please come. Please get tickets now. The sooner you get tickets, the the better it works out. It's going to be great. But enjoy compilation episodes, some of your favorite scripts, favorite games, favorite dad stuff, all that put together here. Enjoy the episode. Thank you. Happy holidays. This is Lawrence of Arabia by Dan Harmon. Fade in. Exterior, desert, day. Majestic sand dunes shot on a specialized panoramic film stock that lasted for two years, so if you watch it on Blu-ray, it's letterboxed to the width of a snake. But it's beautiful. The score swells as text fills the screen. Both the score and the font of the text have a problematically Arabic feel. Like the lowercase t's look like curvy salami swords. (laughs) Salami swords. It is the turn of the 19th century, and while the new world is consumed with civil war and the gold rush, the old world is still very much Britain's empire, with Queen Victoria's navy in control of every port from Finland to Australia. Her Majesty's resources, however, are spread thin, and in climates less hospitable to British occupation, native unrest is gaining momentum. Perhaps the least hospitable region, a stretch of scorching hot sand between the Tigris and Euphrates, known to British colonists as the Deadly Crescent. The natives call it by their own word for strength. Arabia. The text fades, leaving only Arabia to serve as a chiron. The camera pans from the dunes to a stretch of railway. A steam train howls past us and chugs toward the horizon with sound design that Quentin Tarantino will reference as tits and pussy for the ears in a 1997 interview with Cinecom. Wow. We would be content to watch the steam train for hours because the film stock is so beautiful. They had a special theater built just to show the movie, but as a score turns sinister, a lone hoof lands in frame. We cut to reveal its source, a barely tamed Arabian horse whose name we'll learn is Nuksuna, Arabian for dagger of the sand. Atop this fierce warhorse is an even fiercer stallion, 
Alibi Jael Jamathani, portrayed by Alec Guinness in Mascara and Bronzer. Alibi regards the train with strategic resentment before raising his curved saber. In response, a dozen horse-mounted Hispanic extras playing Arabian freedom fighters emit high-pitched, highly problematic war cries. War cries! <laughs> the ragtag bunch charges full speed after the train. Interior train, engine car. The British engineer glances at his rearview mirror, then puts his monocle in and checks it again. <laughs> AFI's website notes this as the first double take on color film. <laughs> God heavens! A British oligarch with two monocles enters the car. What's the meaning here? <laughs> A spot of nomad bandits, sir. I was to understand this region had been civilized. That it has, my lord. But the savages are slow to learn. Shelby, accelerate! A hunchback dressed like a chimney sweep grunts something cockney and shoves coal into a furnace with a fancy spoon. <laughs> Exterior, desert. The steam from the smokestack thickens as the tempo of the chugs increase and the train puts distance between itself and the wailing bandits. Interior, train, engine car. The oligarch is pleased. Good show, conductor. <laughs> I'll give it to the brute, sir. They've got fire in their blood, but you can't fight progress with... SAND! The two Brits spot something ahead, a huge pile of sand on the railroad track. Dude on the track! Stop the train! I can't! They tricked us into going too fast! Exterior desert, the train hits the sand dune and derails, then explodes, sending bags of tea and chandelier jewels raining down as the men on horseback cheer. My tea! Yes! There's a jarring one-frame transition to a totally different level of brightness and contrast, making our brains go, yeah, what's happening, before we realize we're experiencing one of those pre-digital dissolve transitions that required putting two frames of film in a sheet bladder full of turpentine and exposing it to incrementally larger wattage bulbs before stapling each resultant frame back into the movie so you spend the duration of it completely distracted and raising the question, wouldn't it retain more immersion to just cut to exterior London day? Distant Cambridge bells chime as two little girls play with a barrel hoop outside a government building. <laughs> Chiron, Her Majesty's Ministry of Intelligence Services, a.k.a. MI2. It's olden times, so it's not MI6 yet. <laughs> Interior, Ministry of Intelligence Services. Professor Admiral James St. John is in the middle of a conversation with Queen Victoria. Tell me about this Lawrence of Manchester. He's quite decorated for his work in Marrakesh, save for the odd disciplinary issue. Go on. Well, Your Majesty, Lawrence is as English as they come, but there's no other way to put it, really. His blood runs a trifle hot. A military butler enters. Captain Lawrence has arrived, <laughs> my lord. Your Majesty. Quite. <laughs> Thank you. The military butler exits as Lawrence enters. He's Peter O'Toole. That much I'm almost certain. <laughs> he has crazy blue eyes that look like the people that use too much spice in the movie Dune. <laughs> Professor Admiral, Your Majesty, may I present a token of my honor? Lawrence presents the queen with a beautifully crafted necklace made of bamboo and mouse skulls. The queen recoils. Oh. Good God, Lawrence! Have you lost your graces? Are those pieces of rodents? This is a high warrior's necklace of honor from the Zulu chieftain. Belong to his son, slain in battle. Its value is incalculable. I should think we agree on that much. For the sake of pudding, Lawrence. <laughs> remove that vile trinket from the eyes of the realm. If the Zulus had more, more of value than opium, we shan't have sent you to defeat them. Of course, my lord. Lawrence pockets the Zulu necklace, which will, 20 pages from now, block the blade of a dagger during his combat trial after he's taken prisoner by Arabic insurgents. <laughs> 
What do you know of Arabia, Lawrence? <laughs> yeah, nice. Like that. That's a good choice. <laughs> Alexander deemed it untamable. Genghis Khan never advanced past its edges. Omnihotep believed Ra forged Arabian hearts from wild steeds so that Egypt might always know humility. And to what do you credit such a troubling reputation, Captain? Quite simply, Your Highness, Arabia has no wealth, therefore its spirit knows no corruption. To an Arabian, there is only one currency, strength. Do you know the Arabian word for surrender, Your Majesty? Let me guess, they don't have one. No, it's Kulinol. <laughs> No, you're right. They don't have one. I was, <laughs> I was embarrassed that you scooped me. Well, they may, ha- they may have no word for surrender, Lawrence, but what they do have is wealth. They just don't know it. Lawrence, what do you know about a substance called oil? Only what we were told in basic training. A viscous liquid repellent to water with a rich hydrogen content making it readily combustible. <laughs> a potentially unprecedented source of energy for mechanization. Here's what they didn't tell you. <laughs> Arabia, beneath its sand and savagery, is an ocean of oil. Which means five to ten years from now, if someone invents a car, the least valuable colony on Her Majesty's Empire will become a war chest vast enough to not only secure British rule, but to quite possibly allow us to reconquer America. When it comes time to do so, sir, I should hope I'll be retired. The Americans are a free people, capable of that which we have only ever tasted in our poetry. A victory over America would be a loss to mankind's purpose. Granted. However, you will accept the mission of journeying to this Arabia and bringing it once and for all to Britannia's heels. If your highness wishes it, Arabia will be purged of insurrection. I'll need a dozen of our finest men. I'm afraid that's not possible, Lawrence. Discretion is as valuable as the territory itself. Simply put, we're asking you to pacify and, if necessary, to ethnically cleanse... All of the Middle East, Mm -hmm. single-handedly. Will that be a problem? Forgive me for saying it, but your reputation for questioning authority precedes you. Only when the authority has been weak, Lieutenant. I respond only to strength. The secret to my long record of military success is the same as the reason for my record of discipline. We zoom into his face as his blue eyes shine like lasers. I don't believe in compassion, and I have no capacity (laughs) for friendship. I will be playing Cockney Junkie 2, Mother and Mary Poppins. Very good. You're perfectly cast. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be fun. This is all, it's it's a lot of the dark inside. Yay. (laughs) I think that was actually the official tagline to Mary Poppins. It's uh, it's, uh, a lot of the dark inside. (laughs) (laughs) Exterior London Street, night. We open on a street corner in London, 1916. It's night. The fishmongers <laughs> shovel piles of fish guts into their gilly buckets. Newspapers selling orphan boys pull rotten melons from the trash bins to hollow out and make them to shoes for the day. Hey, got a big one, but my face is small for this one. We cut it in twain. The street is made out of all those square bricks. They're called cobbles, and it's the only type of street in London. The rain comes <clears throat> The rain comes down in sheets, making the street splashy and wet. 
all slick and oily. The cobbles are shiny and black, like a seal's balls. <laughs> Exterior Big Ben is continuous. Or seal's balls, okay. Oh, yeah, I, I was going to put that. <laughs> Big Ben chimes. Perfect. <laughs> it's 2 a.m. The, the old three chimes for 2 a.m. <laughs> Perfectly oh, done. God. A bird and a man with a hammer dressed like one of them Queen's Guards people with the big hats come out of the clock and do the cuckoo <clears throat> clock dance shit that the slaves of the cuckoo clock are forced to do every hour on the hour. Like all of us shuffling from bed to work every day, an endless, <laughs> pointless cycle we trod until we die. We hear footsteps in the cobblestone streets. <laughs> they get louder and louder. Exterior London Street Shanty Village. The camera snakes through a village of shanties. Shanties are cardboard homes, and it's fun that it rhymes with panties. <laughs> Two cockney junkies huddle in front of a fire made from broken up baby cribs and oil. I'm sick, governor. I dying, matey. Don't say that, love. We'll get you all fixed up. Tight and shiny, governor. Good as a pair of brand new bird and socks, crikey. Cockney Junkie 1 throws up a bunch of blood. <laughs> Am I making raspberry jam out me talking hole, governor? If we can just make it till the morning, love, then we'll quit. Then things will be alright again. Footsteps approach. <laughs> the camera sees a gold buckle on a plain boot, then pans up the dress of a simple housewoman. An umbrella hides her face. Need something to help you through the night? <laughs> that is Mary Poppins, by the way. That's... Oh, shit. <laughs> Oops. Oops, okay. <laughs> Need something to help you through the night? A gloved hand holds up a ball of black tar opium. That should set my mind straight. Hand her over. The opium floats from the hand, turns into a sinewy alien liquid like the Venom's costume from the old comic books, not the new shit in the trailer I haven't seen yet. <laughs> it sucks into the nose and mouth of the sick junkie. He seizes and sits up. Oh, crikey! I'm high as a bird's fart! Thank you! You know what they say. A little bit of sugar makes the medicine go down. What? A laser bolt shoots from the top of the figure's umbrella and hits the junkie in the abdomen. He completely turns inside out. There's fucking guts everywhere. What the fuck? Why is this happening? She lowers the umbrella. It's Mary Poppins. The name's Mary Poppins, and you picked the wrong night to do drugs on my family street. Tell your other sick junkie friends Mary Poppins is coming. The other junkie scrambles into the night. Mary saunters over the twitching, groaning pile of meat that used to be a man. Makes me sick. She pulls a knife from her boot and stabs it slowly where the brain is exposed oh! to the air. She then sings a song about how envelopes are food for mailboxes or some other dumb British game. <laughs> Interior, a rich family house, day. A father is sucking on his pipe in the kitchen. Where are the pots and pans, Mother? Mother enters. She wears a fur jacket and sucking on a two-gallon martini. How am I to know where the bee-devil is married? Mary Poppins materializes in the living room out of a thousand crows. She wears the power gem of Gurkul. It is shaped like a monkey's heart and is the source of all her power. She stole it from a Mongolian warlord when she was the head courtesan of a mysterious group of sorceresses, the Guild of Blackened Sparrows. They served the Lord's physical pleasures for many generations, but when Mary stole the gem, she turned the generals into screaming stains on the rocks they called home. Now she's a housekeeper like Tony Danza. Breakfast is ready for the family. 
Two adorable children tumble from downstairs. Lucy is gangly and sweet, and Tweedle, her younger brother, who is wheelchair-bound after his legs were crushed <laughs> oh by a merchant's God. cart. Mary's home. Mary's home. Mary sings a song about breakfast and about how <laughs> eggs are magical and there's shit about toast in it and pancakes are dancing in the air and everyone's laughing and clapping. Haha, <laughs> there's a pancake on the ceiling. Delightful. All in a day's work. Hello, Henry. <gasps> <gasps> Did Siri just yes. respond? Yes. <laughs> Whoa, weird. <laughs> Siri Poppins. <laughs> okay, uh, let's. can we go from the pancakes again? Yes. Haha, <laughs> there's a pancake on the ceiling. Delightful. All in a day's work. If you can make food dance, can you perchance fix my legs, Maddie? Here is a five full minutes of silence. <laughs> it's lunchtime. Mary sings a song about making lunch, and they all clap, and everyone laughs. <laughs> oh, Mary, what would we do without you? My power gem keeps po- keeps the sun from exploding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <coughs> maybe we can have another conversation about my legs. There's a commotion from the living room. It's my soot-covered chimney, friend. Dick Van Dyke crawls out of the chimney like the girl from the ring. Everyone screams. His teeth are so big and they chomp and chomp. You can hear them clack together miles away. I'm 109 years old, but I can still dance, Mary. Show him, Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke shuffles around like a scarecrow on fire. His knees can fold backwards. He sings a song about how nothing can ever be cleaned enough. The world is dirty and can never be clean no matter how hard he sweeps. Tweedle starts crying. No, no, Tweedle. Mary wiggles her nose and Tweedle's frown literally turns upside down, black hole sun style. (laughs) Have you met my new girlfriend, Mary? Oh, I kind of thought you and I were an item. Oh, we are. This is just someone I'm seeing until we are exclusive. So you want a label to our relationship? I thought after our discussion at Joshua Tree that we were <laughs> past labels. Yeah, uh, about that. This is Jenny. A penguin comes in the front door. <laughs> You've been dating a cartoon penguin? Hell yeah, she can't get pregnant. They all laugh knowingly. <laughs> Mary winks and Tweedle grows new legs, but they are spider legs. <laughs> Thank you. All right, this is this is crushing. <laughs> Exterior, Georgia State Prison. Day. Prisoners sprawl across the blacktop, playing basketball and lifting weights for jail recess. A middle-aged man, and I'm pretty sure is Tim Robbins, sits alone at a picnic table, playing with a cootie catcher. Shaws, <laughs> embroidered on his orange jumpsuit. Is this seed taken? (laughs) Just so everyone knows, that was Morgan Freeman. (laughs) Shaws looks up to see his old pal, Morgan Freeman. Nice of you to stop by. Morgan Freeman sits down with his cafeteria tray. There was a line for the jello salad. (laughs) On a diet? Morgan Freeman motions to where Shaws' lunch tray should be. Shaws looks away wistfully. Oh, Shaws. Don't tell me those gangsters are taking your lunch now. What am I supposed to do about it, Morgan Freeman? Fight all the jail jocks at the same time? (laughs) Morgan Freeman sighs. Why do they hate you so much anyway? I, uh, I don't know. I think you do. (laughs) (laughs) That's a jail jock. You weren't worried. (laughs) 
Shaws drops his cootie catcher as Jail Jock dribbles into frame. He dribbles his ball right on top of the cootie catcher, flattening it open on the ground. Oh, come on! Now I can see all the answers. All right, fellas, let's all calm down. You're saying Shaws knows why you hate him. Well, why don't you tell him, ask him yourself? Do you, Shaws? Shaws remains coward. He says nothing. Jail Jock chuckles smugly. <laughs> Say, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Shaw's ever tell you what it was that landed him in this joint? Morgan Freeman is taken aback. Oh, uh, no. No, I guess he hasn't. I suppose I just assumed insider trading based on his face. <laughs> in his dreams. Well, what was it, Shaw's? Shaw's just sits there, refolding his cootie catcher. Well, if he won't tell you, I will. He made a video of himself trying to suck his own dick! <laughs> what? C- could, could he do it? Could he do it? <laughs> no. I'm confused. How is that illegal? <laughs> Because he was 14! <laughs> He's just holding his thing this whole time. <laughs> Shock washes over Morgan Freeman's face. Shaw's looks like he's trying not to cry. So, he made... Titty porn. God. Yep. <laughs> and you saw it because... Looking at kitty porn is why I'm in jail. <laughs> wow. Shaw's, I'm just... You're... A monster. Yep. Shaws suddenly stands up, flipping the picnic table. The guys jump back. Enough! Shaws gently sets the cootie catcher on the ground. Yeah, so what? I'm a lot more than just that guy who tried to suck his own dick, okay? As he talks, heavy gray clouds roll in above them. I was also the regional Healy's champion. Shaws reaches into his pocket and pulls out two wheels. He picks up his feet and pops them in. He's been wearing wheelless Heelys as sneakers this whole wheelless time. Heelys. The guys stand back, flabbergasted. <gasps> Boys, you know Natasha Benningfield. <laughs> Shaws looks toward a three-person prison van sitting at the adjacent picnic table. They have five teeth between them. They nod and grab their rubber band guitar, can opener, mouth harp, and bucket drums. Shaws rolls out to the center of the basketball court. The clouds are so thick now, it's practically dark outside. The band starts to play what kind of maybe sounds like unwritten. Morgan Freeman and Big Jock look on. I don't know. None of, I don't know I how it goes. So it's like shaking bells. <laughs> we need to. Shaws puts his hand on his waist and pops his hip to the beat. The singing starts and he kick turns forward. He moonwalks, but like half scooting backward, then turns around and moon scoots back the other way. He stands for a moment doing the Batusi before <laughs> dropping to the ground and absolutely destroying the worm. Suddenly, the clouds crack open and release a torrential downpour. 
Unfazed, Shaw's jumps up and scoots across the court, raising the roof. He bunny hops back, doing a 360 <laughs> jump halfway across. He reaches out for the basketball. Jail Jock passes it to him. Shaw's flawlessly catches it and rolls towards the hoop. He does a perfect slam dunk, and the rain slingshots off the backboard. Feel the rain on your skin. <laughs> Lightning strikes as Shaw's folds down on one knee and the music stops. Insert shot. A single tear streams down Jail Jock's face. He's dripping in rain, but it's still for sure a tear. Morgan Freeman and the band roar with applause. Oh, yeah. The entire prison follows suit because they were apparently also watching. Everyone. That would sound like more. Sorry. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, Everyone stops clapping. They all look to Jail Jock. Well? Jail Jock slowly rises. You're right. You are more than just a monster. You're a star, Shaws. Shaws stands up. I know. By the way, the name's Hank. The won't get fooled again scream comes out of nowhere. <laughs> Cut to title. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so won't much. get fooled again. Yeah! Uh, this is Build the Perfect Movie. You must combine two scores from our category to build the perfect movie as close to 100% on Rotten Tomatoes as possible right. without going over. Price is right. Rules apply. So you're competing against each other. Okay. Uh, no movies Oh, that don't go over. You cannot go over. Gotcha. Okay. So no movies. I've never that... seen Price Is Right. Oh my! <laughs> now is that oh, on the bracket? Have you really? Is no, Price no, no, Is I've Right on the bracket? Oh, okay. No, no but it should have been. What seed is Price Is Right? Like like that Bob would be Barker so Price funny. Is Right too. I really really want anyone who hasn't no seen way. The Price Is Right to write an episode of The Price Is Right <laughs> and come on the show. <laughs> yeah, they might know because they it might be still like, know what like, Price Is ne- Right rules. The Price means. Is Right, never seen by Rob Hayes, based on what I saw in Happy Gilmore. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Oh, it's so funny. Um, okay, so you two movies. So what we're doing today is you're both going to try and build the perfect sports movie. All right. Okay. All right, nice. Sports movie. Okay. okay. So Rob will go first, then CJ, then we'll recap the scores, and then whoever has the higher or the lower Rotten Tomatoes score from their okay. first one will go first. Okay. Thing. I so do Rob, have a question about Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, do dot they, com. Do they retroactively like older movies that predate? Maybe the website. Uh, they, I mean, everything's on there. It goes. It has like there. Gone with the Winds reviews on wow. there and stuff. Yeah, but are those reviews from thirty nine or those reviews from like? Ooh, good call. The, that is a great like, question. It is. Now. It is from whenever the review was written. Oh, mm, okay. So like, I mean, All I right. think like Roger Ebert has a Gone with the Wind review on there. So from no probably, audience scores. Uh, no, we're not going off audience score. It's, it's going separate. Off, it's on, separate. Even yeah, with yeah. the old movies. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um. So first, so you're picking any sports movie, and then you got to combine it with another sports movie. To okay, get as close to 100. All right, I'm gonna try to hit towards the middle. I'm not gonna try to go too high because finding the low one's gonna be difficult. So I'm going with basketball. All right, let me go ahead and just pull that up. All right, Rob is going what do you think basketball. basketball's around? I'm thinking in. Think? I'm thinking 40s. But I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's this All like right. my first CJ? spin on the uh, on okay, the wheel so you, you don't know about. Yeah, then, so okay. you're gonna pick one here. I'm gonna go a uh, tin cup. What if I argued that wasn't a sports movie but basketball <laughs> was? Okay, so let's recap. Rob basketball, CJ tin cup. Basketball, 
42 percent nice. come That's on man one. come That's on man one. tin cup 70 percent oh god okay but i got a really bad one so cj you're gonna go first okay. this round you're gonna try and get you got to get as close to 30 percent as you can um all right i'm gonna go thunderstruck kevin durant Oh, okay. I'm I'm really trying to go for 100 right here. Okay. I'm not even playing conservatively. Wait, this is the wrong Thunderstruck. (laughs) This is a. Academy Award nominated Thunderstruck. (laughs) I can't even find it. No, this is a movie about. uh... Yeah, that movie was in theaters. I wonder how many theaters got Thunderstruck. There's a KD web series that Nike put out in those early days where it's him shooting it. It's great. All right, so we got it. Thunderstruck. Yeah. Rob, you are at 42% with basketball. Okay. So here's what happens now. I'm going to tell you – no, actually, just pick one. <laughs> yeah, I got to pick one. We're still figuring out the rules this game. Okay. It's time playing it. No. I'm in between two. Okay. Mm, let's see. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go like Mike. <laughs> one. Yeah, like Mike one. Okay, great. Wait, let's talk about it too, because let's reviewers might this. be like, "Oh, for kids, that's a that's pretty insane. good movie." I mean, it's going to be. It is. You know, people generally review movies based on what they're trying to do, right? Right. Like Ebert would give four right, stars yeah. to a bad action movie trying to be a bad action movie, and zero stars Damn to like Cloud it. Atlas or something like. Damn it. Uh Okay, CJ, Tin <laughs> Cup, it. and Thunderstruck. Tin Cup, seventy percent. Thunderstruck, twenty-seven percent. Wow. We're looking at 97%. Wow. Love it. Almost built the perfect movie. Wow. Rob, basketball, 42%. Like Mike, 57%. Wow. 99%. Get out of here. Get out of here. Your man's nice. Get out of here. I'm not mad. Oh, no way. It's That's incredible. No way. That's the I'm closest happy. to a perfect movie Yo. we've ever had. These Yo. were actually the two closest to a perfect wow. movie we've wow. ever had. <laughs> I physically wow. sat up in my seat. I've been slumping this whole time. Yo, I was just, when y'all said that, I was like, I knew I should have picked the six man. Oh, Jeez. So let's see where six uh. man would have landed you. Um, I think that would have shot you over. Six man's 23%. Oh, okay. No way. Shut me over. Oh, boy. Yeah, that is. 99%. So the the best movie we've ever made in the game is about Lil Bow Wow and the guys from South Park standing around. We're doing it. That was crazy. That That was was crazy. Before that, who else else got close? Last time, both people went over. Um, The first time we had someone, I think that was Tom Hanks was the first one. Is that right? And someone got like 92 or 93%. But it it was like from a a 89 and then some two or three, like something that bombed. Uh, Shout 99. Out Calvin Cambridge. I, I have to take Shout a second. Shout out Tracy Reynolds. Because I, I almost Nikki. blew it. When I started doing the math, when I looked it up, <laughs> I started sweating over here. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to keep a straight face. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. All right. Great round. A podcast network.